Welcome to the Serie A Show. All right, everybody, we are back. This is another preview slash review episode of the Serie A Show. So, Nima, Chloe, how are you two? Chloe, I know you're doing better. First victory for Fiorentina, yeah? Yeah, I should still be partying right now, shouldn't I? But <laughs> well, I have settled down at least. Okay, well, the the first one is always the toughest, so that's uh, we, we got that finally. But if, <laughs> if we're honest, the quality of these midweek fixtures, I don't know about you two, but I didn't find it to be tremendously high. <laughs> it was... Um, not, not great, no. Yeah, some pretty shocking results, some pretty dire performances, if we're going to be honest. Milan, Roma, Napoli, not good all around the board. But I want to start because I, I, I think it beckons a lot of questions now. The situation of Milan. Milan lose to Torino by a score of 2-1. to one. And again, it, it's this lack of creativity. It's this lack of... Now, they did, they did do better with shots on target. They had four on target this match, and they had 16 total shots. But once again, guys, it, this, this looks like a square peg and round hole situation because Gianpaolo just does not look comfortable. They do not look like they have the right system, the right pieces for Gianpaolo's system. Chloe, I, I, I think they're a mess. I think they're an absolute mess right now. Yeah, um, I didn't actually see all of the game um, because, like you say, the quality of the midweek round wasn't that high. So by the time I got to Thursday, I was ready to do something else. Um, but I think the fact that they, they obviously Milan took the lead uh, only to lose 2-1. And I think the fact that it was a penalty, um, it reminds me of when Fiorentina was struggling because they relied, the only really goals they were scoring were from either set pieces or penalties. And I think when you're not scoring from open play, it really sets off alarm bells that there is something fundamentally wrong with the way that the side is set up. And that's just the way I feel about Milan right now, that, you know, that there are huge problems that are not going to be sorted out with a little tweak, a little substitute here and there, or a slightly different approach. Like the whole, um, everything is wrong. And I, I don't know that Gianpaolo can get himself out of it. I don't know either. And Nima, the, the thing that really puzzled me, it's, okay, tactics, we can we can obviously debate that. But some of the decision-making that Gianpaolo made in that match, taking off Leao, who I thought was probably one of the better performers on the night, and bringing in uh, Bonaventura, I, just the, these decisions he makes are baffling. It, it looks like his days are numbered there, right? I mean... For sure. They look terrible in the derby, and then they follow it up with this. It's just not good. No, and it hasn't been good from the start of the season. It's been absolutely horrible from the start of the season. It started against Udinese, uh, Udinese, where he looked completely... He, he looked panicked on match day one, and he looked under enormous amount of pressure already then. And and his and his and his decision making is is reflecting that he looks like a manager that is completely out of his depth, that doesn't know what he's doing, that feels completely panicked, and therefore makes these irrational, crazy decisions that he would otherwise normally not make. Now, finally, Benasser was allowed to play which is a good thing uh, because I thought Milan's midfield looked much more balanced when he was when he was directing it from deep that that was that looked all right 
but but then for some, I mean, I understand that he likes Suzo, uh, but Suzo is 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 not good right now. Suzo looks looks absolutely lost, and whenever he does do something good, it's when he pulls out to the right right, you know, when he pulls out on to the wing, and and the same with Leao. It wasn't a four three one two. It was more a four three two one because the players weren't listening to his directions, and that is also an alarm bell going off when 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 the, when it looks better when the players are ignoring the manager as opposed to it working when they're listening to the manager. I I, I said it like I think I've said it like three times uh, in previous episodes. I'm absolutely certain that Fiorentina are going to beat Milan this uh, this weekend, and I think that is 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 the end of his spell. I honestly think so. And 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 for me, who would be the solution? Who would be the ideal uh, replacement? I think you can only really turn to one man in that situation, and it is it is Luciano Spalletti, because he is a a good coach. I mean, he is mental. He's crazy, and we've spoken about that. But he knows how to get teams, big teams that are struggling, into the top four and keep them there consistently. And 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 Milan needs someone who can handle the pressure of being at a big club, but also the the the, the ability to develop players to take the next level and take the next step. Giampaolo is clearly not doing that at Milan. No, and I don't want to listen. There's a lot of blame to go around. But I don't want to let their management team off the hook. Maldini, uh, Boban, you brought in a manager who his system is very well known. It's no secret. He prefers the 4-3-1-2 with the playmaker playing behind the strikers. If I have to see Suzo there anymore, I, 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 I couldn't imagine being a Milan fan and having to watch that match after match after match. Were we asleep the last few years? I mean, Suzo is a winger. He, he he can't play behind the striker in the hole. He doesn't. He doesn't work there, and he looks. It, he suffers there so much, and he doesn't believe in the system and and, and in the position that Gianpaolo uh, wants him to play in. So he automatically pulls uh, to the wing, which creates a massive hole in front of the the, the, the midfield, and 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 teams take advantage of that. And it's just, it is simply not working. It's just that simple, and it's it's current. It's really unwatchable right now. It is. They're they are extremely unwatchable. That's um. And it's disappointing, too, because hopes were high for Milan. I, I thought they had a decent summer. But, yeah, the decision to appoint Gianpaolo, I don't think any of us were ever fans of. Chloe, you mentioned that even in this moment, Sampdoria probably wish they still have him. Milan probably wish at this point they went in another direction. So it, it just it's not working for any of the parties, really. Or, or kept or kept Gattuso because Gattuso had a had a had a worse squad than this, and he 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 didn't get any big big money signings. He he di- he did the best he could with 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 the, with the means at his at his disposal, and and I you know getting rid of uh, Gattuso to bring in Gianpaolo was supposed to be a step upwards. It has not been that. It is at best a step sideways. Um, so they have to accept that they, I agree with you, that Boban and Milan need to own, own this mistake. It was a huge failure. Huge failure indeed. So going to Giampaolo's old side, Chloe, your Fiorentina got their first victory of the season over Sampdoria. So this is another one with several talking points. You could obviously go down the path of, okay, Fiorentina, they finally got the first win. This is where things could start clicking. But then I could go to the other side and Sampdoria again. I, I 
I don't know what Di Francesco is doing. I mean, you can attest to how I, I thought they were terrible. I I thought the goal was a bit undeserved. I thought Fiorentina were squarely in charge of that one. I, I just, again, you say Di Francesco. What more can be said that hasn't already been said? Well, exactly. We've already discussed at length that he's um, he's never going to turn that situation around. I mean, the the fact that. Sampdoria scored as you say John it, it flattered them um, they really had nothing they they um, were diving into these reckless tackles that you know it's just smacked of desperation and um, yeah I don't know what else to say other than they were they were abysmal um, and Fiorentina really shouldn't have let them score because it, it should have been an easy 2-0 yeah, I mean Morillo getting sent off just after or just very early in the in the beginning stages of the second half. I, I there's really not much they have so little to hang their hat on. I mean, we said in the previous episodes, I can't tell you one area of the pitch that they excel in. I, I, I can't because there isn't one. No, because Di Francesco has, has gone in there and taken a team that was pretty balanced and, and he's completely, it looks like it did towards the end at Roma when, when it was complete chaos and, and the team looked completely disjointed and, and it's free fall. And, and, and when you, and when, you, when it, when it looks like that, you can, you know, you can lose big. And, and if Fiorentina, you know, if, if this talk of, uh, you know, not having won and, God knows how long. If this was not the case, I think if a relaxed Fiorentina would have beaten them five, six, seven nil, because Fiorentina's attack is that good. And and I thought Fiorentina were in complete control of that game. And I feel and I think that you know it was it was the, the, like you said it was a scrappy goal. Uh, I think and 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 but but Fiorentina are looking so so good right now. I really have to say I've said I've said it so much on this pod, and I want to keep saying that I I really really rate this Fiorentina side. I think they they are they are such a cohesive unit. The everything the midfield is clicking. Uh, Dalbert looks like the player he was in Ligue 1 that Inter thought they bought, but he never delivered he i mean that assist for the second goal to to Chiesa is 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 delicious i mean that that's not you know that that's something a trequartista would be proud of let alone a, a left-sided wingback it was I, I everything looks so so good at uh, uh, fiorentina and i honestly think that rome the number one challenger to to that fourth position uh, to, to Roma's fourth position, as I see it, as it is, is, is Fiorentina and, and, and Lutz, is Fiorentina. In, in my opinion, it is. Um, elsewhere, we have uh, Roma looking terribly against Atalanta. Roma were never in that. Gasparini giving Fonseca an absolute smacking, um, a, a sort of welcome to the city uh, present. Uh, he bossed him up and down the pitch. The one I want to talk about more, though, Napoli Cagliari. You want to just talk about undeserved? Cagliari did not deserve to win that at all. I think Napoli had upwards of 30 shots, I believe. Okay, it's 30 on the dot. Cagliari's pass accuracy was 73%. But if you didn't watch that match, there was some guy in goal for Cagliari, never heard his name before, who (laughs) put on quite a decent display. Nima, maybe you could shed some light on this guy uh, for those who aren't aware of his name. Yeah, that the the guy. I think I think he played for Roma last season. I'm not entirely sure. His name is Robin Olsen. He's a Swedish national goalkeeper. No, I mean yeah. it's, it's 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 I mean it's it's what I told. I mean it, this is. I'm not surprised at all by this because 
if you remember when we were when we were ripping him apart on this pod last season, I said that the the reason why he looks so out of place is because he's never in his life played uh, with a with a defense in front of him that plays so high up the pitch. Now at Cagliari, he's playing with a defense that is that defends very deep, and he's used to that, and so therefore he 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 feels secure and. He he pulls off these incredible saves. I mean, I think it was one. There was one save. I think it was a header that was. I think Koulibaly's header. Where I was, like, how on earth did he get to that? It was like a bullet, but he managed. But he managed to stop it. And I think this is, you know, this is his level. He is a decent mid side, you know, mid mid table uh, Serie A goalkeeper. He that that's his level. But playing for Roma or or a top four side where you're expected to dominate possession and and play with a with a defensive line that's really high up the pitch, that's not him at all. Because his 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 you know he he doesn't have those set of skills at all as we saw so evidently last season. Or you you for one can you you definitely can attest to that, Rom. Listen, Chloe, are you considering this result just a one off? Because uh, listen, Napoli again, they had thirty shots to. <laughs> To Cagliari's five, they had almost seventy percent of the possession. Is this one of the things that you worry about for Ancelotti? Yeah, um, if you if you want to go for the title, you it, you know Inter have won all of their matches so far. You you just cannot lose to Cagliari, and I think that's that's what we're going to see from his Napoli that they have this kind of erratic streak where they can they can beat Liverpool um, but they they have these lapses at times where they lose to teams they shouldn't do and I still even even though it sometimes clicks I still don't think that he's got the system quite right there um, as it's not good enough to be consistently on it um and it it makes me wonder a little bit whether i mean obviously he's one of the best coaches of all times won three champions leagues and all, all those won the titles in all those different leagues but it makes me wonder if he's just that little bit going towards the Mourinho side where he's He's just a little bit behind the times. Not a lot, but just enough so that he's not quite at the very top anymore. For me, it's for me. this is more an issue that Ancelotti is, is a cup coach more than a league-winning coach. I mean, the consistency you touched upon there, Chloe, is, is, is full. I agree with that 100%. You know, the, the one, the person who wins, the, 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 the team that wins the league is the team that is most consistent. And Ancelotti has, has struggled with that through his career. I mean, he was, he was at Milan for seven years and only won one league title but he won two champions leagues so i think that to me that is what he is he's he, he's primarily has been and the same with the real madrid i mean he, he won the he won the champions league there but he didn't win la liga uh, so it, for me this guy is ancelotti is, is a cup coach now more than anything he can on the day when he's in a one-off game he can outmaneuver the opposition without problems but the consistency I think both he lacks the, the the squad to deliver that in the Serie A, but 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 above all, I I don't think he he he's uh, he doesn't have that tool. I don't think he's ever had that tool to those tools in his tool in his toolbox. So so I I I'm I'm leaning much more towards the fact that he's a cup coach, and and that that is interesting because just think about it, Na- Napoli going to like a semi final or a quarter final of the Champions League. I mean, how amazing would that? 
Yeah, it would. And especially when you consider for as brilliant as they've been in the league recently, I don't think anybody would argue against the fact that they've underwhelmed in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, they haven't exactly set the world on fire. Now, in fairness, they've always had extremely difficult groups. Yeah, very difficult groups. And and this this time I feel that they're in a group that is, uh, you know, that's the, that they should comfortably win, uh, especially after that performance against Liverpool. So I, 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 I think that if, if they manage to win uh, this the, the group, they will get an easier draw in the, in the round of 16. And then in the quarterfinals, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's go to our... Uh, our preview of the few of the matches for the weekend. So how did we do, Chloe, for the match, or I should say, how did Match Edge do for the predictions for this previous match day in the midweek? They did very well again, actually. Um, We talked about um, Inter winning over Lazio, which they did. Um, They said they would be... Uh, over 1.5 goals in that match, which there actually wasn't in the end. But uh, as Nina can uh, attest, they, they it wasn't right. for the lack of trying. Um, uh, they predicted Juve to win at Brescia, which despite Brescia taking the league, they did. And they said it would be over 1.5 goals, which it was. And Roma Atalanta, surprise, surprise, was over 1.5 goals. I don't think that shocked anybody, but it just shows that Match Edge are making the the right kind of calls because they've got this expert mathematical system that makes these uh, high quality predictions. No, no, wasn't it overall like ninety percent in this in their all their Serie A predictions or something like in, in the it, across all the leagues they do uh, six leagues, um, and across all the leagues it was over ninety percent accuracy, um, and as well I was thinking if if you are a fan of doing an accumulator it's really good for something like that because you can build a bet that will yield quite a, a good amount of money if you put all those all those predictions together and because they're so often right you could end up with quite a big win again eight pounds fifty per month price of a coffee per week you can go to the city com, and as chloe said you can get the predictions not just for the City I. You have access to six leagues. So, again, thecityishow.com. So, guys, we're going to discuss just a few for this week. We are going to discuss uh, Juve, Spal, Sampdoria, Inter, and then Napoli, Brescia. So, let's start with Juve, Spal. Match Edge says to go with a home win at 1.29 and to go with the over one and a half goals at 1.22. So, Chloe, their last few displays have not been convincing by any means. However, if you want to talk about unconvincing, we talked about Spal, how they might struggle this season, how they might be or how they might find themselves getting dragged into that race for relegation. Um, That is most certainly the case for them as of now because they do not look good while Juve... They haven't looked great either, but you would expect this to be fairly easy business for them. Yeah, I think so. They they do seem to be struggling a lot more um, than they were. I mean, they were quite a well-organized tight unit before, and they do seem to be shipping some goals now. So, yeah, definitely Juve win, even if uh, Juve have got a, a full-back emergency, and they're talking about um, even maybe Matuidi might have to fill in a full-back. Um, so... 
but even so, even with all that considered, I think that Juve will win. The over 1.5 goals is smart because um, Spal may well score at some point. They, they're they not really shy about scoring goals. Um, so, yeah, that I, th- I, I tend to agree with that prediction. Nima, do you think they ultimately get relegated? Given how Lecce and Hellas and Brescia are playing right now, we don't know if this is just the, the classic... Uh, you know, promotion enthusiasm that you get from teams that have just been promoted. But if they continue playing like this, neither one of them are going to get relegated because mm. Lecce completely destroyed Spal. Uh, they they were such a cohesive unit and they defended so well and they attacked so well and they they deservedly beat Spal uh, uh, this this midweek. And and Udinese are, are looking. I mean, the, the, you know, you say they they are so dependent on De Paul being in that starting 11 for anything to happen in terms of their attack and that is just simply not good enough um i you know i they, they have to get going and it's not tudor the coach's fault because he's doing the best he can with a very limited squad um they need to start investing in that in that team and they need to start start caring otherwise it's uh, it, it will be very it's it's going to you know they're going to get relegated and, and that, that would be such a shame because Udinese are a classic Serie A team Samp, Spal, um, and Lecce, the worst defenses in the City A. So 11 goals shipped in five matches. So certainly not good at all. Um, again, you would expect this to be easy or rather easy for Juve. Sampdoria at home against Inter. Match edge says to go with a win for Antonio Conte's men at 1.67. Nima, I again, this should be easy work in my opinion for um, uh, for the Nerazzurri. Sam, what else do we need to say at this point? There's nothing more we can add. For sure, but they have one thing speaking uh, that, that really speaks to their advantage, and that's the fact that Murillo is suspended and will miss this game. Because if he was, if if if, if he was, is, playing, is that addition by subtraction uh, though? No, no. I, honest to God, he, he if he was playing Inter, you know, I think Lukaku would have scored three goals within the first 20 minutes. Like, it's just, the guy, he, he's an awful defender. And and I've seen that firsthand, the same way you saw Robin Olsen, <laughs> the horror show there firsthand. Like, it, it, Murillo is, is is not a defender. Uh, he, he needs to have someone like Miranda next to him to cover for his insanity, to... To, to 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 cover to, to cover up and mask the, his his uh, his shortcomings, but having said that, if 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 Inter are to be what Antonio Conte said in his first press conference, not Pazza anymore, uh, and and turn into this stable you know team, this is the game. This is the sort of game they have to win uh, away against the struggling Sampdoria. Th- these are the games that Inter under Spalletti used to draw or even lose. Uh, and, and end up chasing, uh, but but you know, I, I for me, I, I don't think it will be that as easy as as uh, as, as, as the most people expect. I think it will be quite a struggle, but I do expect Inter to win. I, I do this. I can say I do expect Inter to win. I just cannot believe that this has gone so poorly for them. Again, there, there's very little we can add to it. But if you want to talk about just disastrous summer hiring of a manager. The, I, I think we'd like to blame Eusebio Di Francesco, and rightly so. But can you just talk about how awful, awful that transfer market they had was? I mean, they, awful. they, they usually, Sampdoria are used to selling uh, good players. and, 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 and but, but what they were you very good 
to do was what they were really good at was 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 to replace them either with with players that were experienced uh, that had a good Serie A quality or they would they, their scouting network would bring in some excellent players like Skriniar uh, like uh, like uh, Prat uh, or how you pronounce his name the the Belgian guy who's gone uh, <laughs> I don't want to insult people here but um, no <laughs> but but you know they they haven't been able to do that I mean the, the problem isn't you know Caprari has come from a long-term injury he's a favorite he's a very he's a player I really really like uh, he he you know he, he's not he's not being played in his in his position he's he's struggling to find form Gabbiadini is is, is a good Serie A level uh, striker but the problem is the balance in defense and midfield that Francesco Di Francesco seems completely unable to find he he cannot for the life of me find seem to to find a balance between defense and attack and and he doesn't he seems completely incapable of organizing a defense at all. I mean, I think what we what we saw at uh, Sassuolo, the good results there. I think that those were that, that was a that was masked his by the great offense he had that won games for him. Um, and and with with Berardi being the the, the greatest example of that. Uh, so no, I, I I honestly think because I don't think that Sampdoria have a squad that is bad enough to be relegated. But I definitely think that they, they need to act on the manager front in order to save the season before it's too late. And then the, the final one we are previewing, Napoli-Brescia. Match Edge says to go with a home win at 1.25 and, shocker, to go over one and a half goals at 1.12. So, Chloe, this is another one. I would expect this... Um, I won't say a stroll in the park, but I would assume Napoli win this without any issue. Yeah, well, against Juve, I thought Brescia were pretty good. Um, I really liked Tonali uh, in the midfield. I thought I think, they were incredibly unlucky. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, um, it's not it's not going to be an easy game for Napoli by any means. But I think after they suffered that disappointment, they'll be really super determined to beat Brescia. And I think that will ultimately proved too much mm, agree and i gotta say on sandro tonali what a player so good what a he's player. so good i mean it, he's, he's he i mean the, the the central midfielders that italy have right now i mean that are all so young i i am dreaming and drooling and that's why i i, I tweeted out that dear mr auxilio you have one job in life and that is to sign sandro tonali and play him together with nicolo barella and stefano sensi that is a that is a that, that is a such a fantastic midfield that I, I i i that is my number one like on my wish list of players for inter to sign because he is he's the real deal he's the real deal and he's such a quality player are we at all worried that Napoli could look ahead to their midweek Champions League fixture? Isn't this the kind of game where Balotelli scores two, three goals? I mean, isn't isn't this the kind of game where he just has one of those nights where he's magical, and and just you know shows everyone how good he is and 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 doesn't celebrate and and after the game gives us immortal quotes where you know you know the mailman doesn't celebrate when he delivers the mail kind of thing you know what i mean like that, that, that's what i'm it wouldn't surprise me one bit but having said that uh i don't think napoli can afford to lose two games in a row uh so i i expect them to edge out a, a, a win but not to not 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 a not a like a big blowout win but there will be goals because both of these teams are very attacking minded teams i completely agree 
completely agree. So that does it for our previews. As I said, if you would like to get the full slate of betting tips from Match Edge, you can go to thecityashow.com. So we will be back after the match day again to, to break down everything and discuss the performances, the results. So as always, if you could continue to subscribe, leave us reviews, likes, all that good stuff on all of our social media channels, it really, really helps us with our endeavors here. So that is where we will leave it for this episode. And until next time, everybody, bye-bye.